nice. up and running. Nice. All right. Lissa Latella. Welcome back. Thank you, Dominic Latella. <laughs> How are you? I just like saying Lissa Latella. It's got a nice uh, alliteration to it. What he really means is, when are you actually going to change your name now that we've been married for more than two years? Oh, that never even crosses my mind. One day. It doesn't matter to me. One day. I mean, it's all good. Swim out of the box. Welcome to Swim Out of the Box. Thank you. Welcome. You're welcome. 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 As the commenter on uh, our self-talk episode once. So somebody to, left. Uh, clarify. Someone left a comment on one of the many different uh, ways to listen to the podcast. And what was that comment? Oh, well, they wish that I would talk less. Sorry. Not going to happen. <laughs> don't know what to tell you. Don't listen. Don't listen to me talk. I don't know. Fast Filter forward. Filter it out. Fast, fast forward. Fast forward. But I'm not going to stop talking. <laughs> fast so. forward through you talking. Oops. Um, I mean, I like it when you talk. That's why I do I know not podcasts. everyone does, but, you know, putting that in writing. <laughs> Ooh, man. Ballsy. Uh, yeah, it is what it is. To each their own. At least they feel comfortable enough to, ma- to comment. Oh, I don't care. I just wanted you to know that I'm not going to stop talking. Oh, okay. Maybe I'll even talk more. <laughs> Ooh, that'd be fun. Or maybe they're just trolling you so that you will talk about them and they got what they wanted. Good for them. Okay. Moving on. What is this podcast about? What's today's podcast about, Lissa? So, recently we've been asking you guys to submit questions. We waited for, we thought it was a good mix to come in. Some of you guys actually asked a lot of the same questions, which I guess I shouldn't be surprised about. Yeah. Um, so, we picked five. Uh, we're going to try to briefly touch on all of those. And then if you guys maybe want. maybe not so briefly. Or maybe not so briefly. Um, then if you guys want to us to expand on any of them, let us know. And we can do a full podcast on one topic yeah, I don't or know if another. Any of the questions warranted a, a full on like 30 minute plus conversation about them. Yeah, but them, if they but feel but like maybe. they do, then I don't really care. I'll go for it. But maybe. I'll just keep talking forever. Oh my God. Dun, dun, dun. Welcome to my life. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> All right. All right. Question number one. Number one, which was the most highly ranked, probably will make sense when you hear it. What do you think of total immersion? So people that don't know, total total immersion. Yeah, let's define what total immersion is. Often referred to as TI in the swimming world. Mm -hmm. Not the rapper. Um, Is he a rapper? (laughs) Is that a rapper? From Atlanta. Oh. Uh, Total immersion is Mm -hmm. a series of books and probably videos i know they do a lot of clinics Mm -hmm. um it was created by terry laughlin and it's a process of what they what i'm going to assume total immersion would want to be uh noted for noted for would be swimming efficiently right Right. now here we need to acknowledge the fact that terry laughlin passed away i don't think so i never know what you're supposed to do in these instances he was a very good swim coach. Mm-hmm. Um, he he used had, to do clinics out of his house in New Paltz. He did. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I think, with total immersion, achieved putting down in writing what a lot of swim coaches knew, but didn't write about or create um, a protocol for you mean ideas that coaches yeah knew? a lot of, it's like a very common like a lot of them are very were very common concepts when it was originally created but he okay. did a really good job of 
explaining why people do certain things and how he thought people should do things when it came mm-hmm. to swimming. Okay. Um, you know, some of the pros in my mind with total immersion is that it did get people understanding that rotation is a part of swimming. Okay. Initially. So rotation. Right. Good. Right. And I think the biggest pro of total immersion in general is it gets people swimming period meaning it might not be here's a con the fastest way to swim however it does get people swimming longer distances faster not in speed wise but it gets them the to process the, the, in which their they would, goal okay quicker and meaning, why why do you think that uh because it does promote swimming very easy and it and it does promote how a lot of people approach the swim with not a lot of ease or finesse. And so they sort of burn themselves out, right? They, they rev their engine too okay. much in order to swim a long distance. They work too hard. They work too hard. Too fast. Exactly. Okay. So total immersion, I guess, really helped get people swimming. The first I actually ever heard of total immersion was a long time ago, mm-hmm. but it was from Tim Ferriss. You know who Tim Ferriss is? I'm sure you're going to tell me. I'm sure I've heard his name before and I've forgotten. Tim Ferriss is the four-hour work week guy. Oh, right. So on his blog forever ago, Tim Ferriss wrote a blog post about how he couldn't swim more than whatever distance. And then mm-hmm. after one week of reading Total Immersion, he can swim continuously for X amount. I don't remember exactly forever. the details. Because it was so long ago. Okay. And that's what it was really good at. And that's what it is good at. It is good at getting people into the water achieving those goals of swimming a longer distance continuously people who don't know how to swim already or people who are people afraid that, of it obviously yeah. not seasoned yeah, triathletes not, not or seasoned, competitive swimmers. exactly exactly i would say entry level uh swimmers whether they be triathletes or marathon swimmers or distance swimmers whatever you want to call that okay open water swimmers. so pros helps highlight the importance of rotation it really did and it gets beginners novices swimming longer distance faster than they would yeah it, it, it helped it, i think it helped the general community of the entry-level swimmer feel like they could achieve their goal okay right so are those the only pros in my mind yes it's very but i'm sure there's more t- that i just not even remembering or that yeah I don't know. A- as like an umbrella statement i think it makes it more accessible it's very easily accessible if accessible, you don't if you, you don't want to go somewhere or be on someone else's timeline to learn these things you can teach yourself with all of their tools so that's yeah there you go and yeah. at least then it gives you somewhere to go and improve on improve uh wow improve upon okay maybe you should stop talking now yeah <laughs> sorry nope um okay cons, other cons. Than what you so some listed? of the some of the negatives or the cons associated with total immersion is I think once Terry kind of built his philosophy, mm-hmm. he felt like he couldn't departure from it and he only leaned into it more. Right. So he didn't adapt and research and change as the years went on. He did do research for sure. I know that because I met him a couple of times personally and we talked about the research that he was doing, but he didn't change his concepts or theory about swimming in that he really liked people to try to rotate to 90 degrees, Oof. which is a lot of rotation and actually makes things a lot more difficult because, well, he's the rotation guy. So now he had to... Right. We have to know, lean in. Right. So as I opposed think it, to the 45 it, it, degrees, which is what you're actually looking for in our experience. Yes. 
and in my professional opinion. So right. I think there's that is a negative, right? Mm-hmm. It almost went too far with rotation to say you have to rotate this much now. Right. He also was coming, f- or when he was creating the protocols for it, he was coming from a background of swimming. So he was trying to promote, trying to minimize the kick or not kick at all for distant swimmers. I don't understand how that's related to coming from a swimming background. You coming from a swimming background. I have a good kick, right? Because I've been swimming. I mean, mine's better, but you know. It's not. But Mm. (laughs) I have a good kick already. You know why? Because I worked on kicking. But if I tell someone they don't need to work on kicking because it's not that beneficial, guess what's happening? They're not improving their kick well enough to minimize their kick. So you mean that he came from a swimming background where he didn't kick? He came from a swimming background and he was able to kick well already before he decided to minimize his kick. If you can't do something very well, you should not avoid it. You should learn how to do it better. Oh, okay. Right? So there's that perspective, but Mm -hmm. then there's also my perspective of you should still need to kick while you're swimming and doing what is commonly referred to as a two or four or six beat kick Doing that two-beat kick isn't helpful to anybody because mm-hmm. you need your legs to help balance you. Right. Just like you need your arms in running, you need your legs in swimming. Okay, so cons. Too much rotation. Too much. Not rotation. enough kicking. Anything Probably else? Probably not enough kick involved. Um, because to me, I don't think that he there continued is one to research one. and keep he did. progressing. It doesn't read that when you look at stuff. He was very interested in, 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 in knowing research. Um. But I don't think that was reflected very well. You ready? I don't know how anyone could learn how to swim from reading a book. I'm pretty or sure even that's watching a videos. duh. Do people actually think they can do that? Absolutely. You know you know that. You know how many people come like into Swimbox that they and don't go, actually believe I it. I watched a couple of videos on YouTube. I think I'm pretty good, right? There are outliers. Sure. I'm going to say that, yes, there are some people who've come in and said that, and we're shocked at how well they are actually swimming. Yeah, but swimming is a sp- very technical sport. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even if you understand the concepts, understand the things you're supposed to be doing, that doesn't mean you're doing them. So it is incredibly helpful to have a second person watching you to help make corrections to the movements you believe or think you are doing. Right. So if it's just a book, you're not going to get that feedback. Yeah. And so he built a business around this protocol. And so that business was, here's a book, read the book, knowing, take my, my classes. knowing you're not actually going to be able to achieve what you want to achieve. But there are going to be a few people that do. Like you said, there's outliers. Mm-hmm. But the rest of those people are going to need some feedback on what I told them to do. So here's these clinics that you can come to and pay an exorbitant amount of money for. Mm-hmm. Right, so built he built a whole business around this protocol, right, which did help people learn and good for him, right, of course, it's awesome, and also did hold people back, right, so that's another another con, so okay. to speak, but I think overall if if it gets you in the water and it gets you swimming, it's better than nothing, it's better than you sitting on the couch going, I wish I could do a triathlon or I wish I could swim four miles instead, I'm gonna order pizza, which is a really good time it is it's just not. As healthy as swimming might be. Eh. Balance. Okay. Number two. <laughs> if the swim is the shortest part of a triathlon, 
Why should I spend so much time training for it in comparison to the bike and run? Just exactly what I was just talking about. Swimming is a highly technical sport. Mm -hmm. And there are different categories of sport as far as um, skill acquisition goes. Swimming's up there really high. Mm -hmm. So many movements. Volleyball is up there really high as well. So as running and cycling goes, Mm -hmm. it's a very low skill acquisition. It's not very difficult to learn how to run. Not that running and cycling aren't difficult. They're difficult to perform. Right. But it's not difficult to learn how to do. So There are always ways you can be better at everything. That's not what he's saying. (laughs) Thank you for clarifying. So when it comes to the ability to run or cycle, you don't need to spend as much time learning those things. You need to spend that time building your endurance. Right. So it's more of like the technique aspect. There are so many nuanced movements and everything goes off of everything else. It's this huge puzzle with a lot more pieces than necessarily running or biking. Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah. And each piece is going to be formed by the the previous piece, which is a a, a shifting puzzle. Right. And to me, I think also like just because it's the shortest part of your race doesn't mean that A, you shouldn't try, which a lot of people come to us saying, or B, you shouldn't focus on it. Because if you don't try, well, Well, that's just a waste of time that you have to then make up. And then if you don't spend any time practicing it well people are going to run you over in the water and that's more time you have to make up and it's saving heartbeats for the run and the bike right so actually exerting yourself in the swim is smarter well what do you mean by exerting yourself people who are like well i don't kick because i'm gonna have to bike soon that's ridiculous that is a little bit odd your whole stroke is going to fall apart if you do that and then you're going to overcompensate in other ways you could potentially hurt yourself you're going to wind yourself even more even though you don't think so Lots of little reasons why and if, if you're racing just as an overarching comment, why wouldn't you try for a third of the race? It's not a full third. That's the point. I don't care. <laughs> it's still a race. Why wouldn't you try for a portion of the race? That's, I, people are like, I whatever. Why wouldn't I? Wouldn't it just give you so much more confidence to know that, okay, I'm going to hit this body of open water. I've been training for this. I've been practicing for this. Mm-hmm. I know I can do this well, versus, I well, I think I can do this. Yeah. It's also, I mean, I've done a couple tries, only sprints, but God, those are time consuming to train for and work out for. It's a lot. Triathlon in general, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Is it, They're probably thinking, well, why would I waste time on this if it's the shortest part? I already have to bike for four hours and run for an hour and a half. And I feel like I'm repeating myself, but if you're not good at something, avoidance isn't the answer. Mm-hmm. Right? Simple, simple. And most swimmers don't go into triathlon. Yeah, I don't know why I did it's that. It's a lot more That's cyclists and runners two. that go into triathlon. Yeah. So if that's your strong suit, maybe you need to spend more time on your Weaker Weakness. part. Mm-hmm. And going back to the conversation I had uh, with Justin in the previous podcast, mm-hmm. you know, the off season was me- is meant to, dis- to figure out your weaknesses and work on those weaknesses. So why it, wouldn't you? All right. It might yeah. not be swimming per se, but that's why in that conversation, I don't think you were, you were here, but I don't know if you were listening to it or not. Um, <laughs> no, probably not. In that conversation, Justin brought up a really good point 
that you want to work on your weaknesses in the off season. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of joking about how right now you see a lot of advertisements online to triathletes about it's the off season time to hit the pool, you know? Yeah. It's because so many triathletes, their weak point is their swimming. Yeah. So it's like almost by default, this stereotype that if you're a triathlete and it's the off season, you need to work on your swimming. Right. So it's really common that swimming is a weakness in triathletes. Maybe they should be swimming and obsessed with improving their swimming. I think it more can so also than their be running like a cycling. confidence thing. Like you don't want to swim because you're not good at it and you're not confident. That's exactly what it is. Which is silly because it's like, well, then wouldn't you want to work to become more confident? But I understand mental things can get in the way. We are our own obstacles, aren't we? Number three. <laughs> that was so deep. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Trudging along. <laughs> yes. Number three. Can I swim in colder temperature open waters and not have to gain weight to help stay warm? I think you should do a quick background because that's an odd question if you don't know why it's being so, asked. Traditionally, well, I don't know if traditionally is the right way to start this, but we go with it. Yeah. Traditionally, open water swimming communities mm-hmm. are very focused on cold water swims. What do you mean? Like adamant that you do them that there a lot of the swims take place in in colder temperature 60 degrees or lower oh and a lot of the times those swims if you want them to be counted by the national governing body or the international governing body or whatever is governing that open water swim mm-hmm. you can't do it with a wetsuit and so like it's illegal it's so, one of the rules so like swimming the english channel it doesn't count if you do it with a wetsuit so if technically you, illegal it's not illegal. Well, for your race to count. It's, they call things they illegal. They won't give you like the certificate. Not, they won't or, say illegal, but like racing suits were right. always deemed as quote unquote legal. Right. So you can say illegal. Makes sense. Yeah, but they won't give you your little like placard for swimming the English Channel. They won't count you in the book of someone that has swum the English Channel if you do it with a wetsuit. Right. So what is someone to do if they're just naturally thin? Get fat. Right. So uh, uh, one of the strategies is for people to gain weight. Mm-hmm. And we've had clients. I, I've had a client personally who like part of his training plan just from the English Channel was to gain 15 to 20 pounds. And so he would eat ice cream every night to gain that weight. Oh, my gosh. That can was you part imagine of his if someone plan. told you you had to gain weight? Up Dream. Front, it sounds great. But then you realize, wait, I'm not a professional swimmer. I'm doing this for my own sort of. And now I'm fat. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, who wants to gain hmm. the weight for it? So, yeah, not everyone can be Christian Bale, exactly. opposite end of the spectrum, <laughs> and eat. And what was it? An apple and a can of tuna every day for that movie? What movie was that? He also that? gained weight for um, American. Wow, gangsters. That's no, not right. that's not right. I gotta check this out. He lost the weight for I want to say the Tinkerer, but it's not. That's not the no, movie. No, I don't think that's right. <laughs> I know that's not right. So while you look that up, I'll keep talking. Um, one American uh, Hustle. That's what he gained all the weight for. Yes, American Hustle. And then what? What did he lose all the weight for? Mm. Thinking about it. Thinking about it. Googling, 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 googling. What was it? Bale lost around sixty pounds in just four months, bringing his weight down to one hundred and twenty pounds for, for the start of filming of the Machinist. The Machinist. See, Tinkerer Machinist. Uh, here we go. Stuck to a diet of water, an apple, a can of tuna, and one cup of coffee per day to lose the weight. That's sad. 
So, Sad, or, uh, side note, we don't condone doing that, but you know, to each their own. Do whatever you want. So, oh, and also Google image search pictures of what he looks like at this weight. Yeah, it's not good. It's not a good look. So, Ooh. gaining weight is mm-hmm. not an option for everybody. They don't want to do that to themselves. Also, it can be hard for a lot of you <laughs> terrible people out there for it's hard to gain weight. It could be. I understand that that's, it can be a struggle. I get it. Every body type is different, but you know, maybe don't go toting that around to everyone. <laughs> I can't gain weight. All I've been doing is eating donuts. Don't do that to me. <laughs> All right. So in the past, I have recommended people look into Wim Hof breathing or Wim Hof breathing method. And why would that be helpful? So Wim Hof is sort of a pioneer in the breathing community, which sounds silly to say breathing community. We all breathe. We're all part of that community, I guess. Mm. But his whole thing is if you can learn how to breathe in a certain way, you can learn how to control your internal temperature. Really? And I didn't know that it had a temperature. He promotes... Yeah, so he's done... Um, crazy crazy things like swim in a frozen lake under the top of the the frozen ice under that ice for 60 meters normal whatever his his retinas were actually freezing it was so cold but he did it i'm gonna hold these comments to myself so right his big thing is in in like his uh training is to do ice ice baths and take cold showers and things like that okay I don't know anyone that has actually successfully gained the ability to swim in colder temperatures through this method. I don't think it's... Well, then why do you suggest it? I said I used to. Oh, you used to. Okay. Um, I don't think it is moot. I think people can still try it. I'm still I'm still hopeful that people can gain something from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't seem to be as accessible to everyone as it is to Wim Hof himself. I mean, it is a pretty crazy feat. It is. Especially when you read about doing it. Yes, it's nuts. So, this, when were we in San Francisco? September. We were in uh, September? Hmm. So, when we were in San Francisco in September, one of my students that was in my class, who is an open water swimmer, Mm -hmm. and she's very thin, swam to Alcatraz that morning before the class. The water temp must have been close to 60, if not lower, like 58. I'm sure it was lower because those were like the temperatures in the air. Right. When we were there. So it wasn't very warm. That water temp was really cold. And she did that swim without a wetsuit. And she was <clears> very thin. And she said, oh, the way that I do it is by swimming way harder than everyone else. And try to swim as hard as I possibly can for the entire distance. And this is someone that's an open water swimmer. This is what she does. So she's exerting herself in order to warm her body up. Exactly. Knowing that she's going to have to put out a lot more energy Mm -hmm. in order to keep up this open water swim. Right. Than someone that weighs 20 pounds more than her who's going to naturally stay warmer but knowing that and working on it she she i'm sure knows how to train properly in order to be able to do so it does come down to training right you have to train yourself that you don't get to sit back right you have got to attack it um so i've always had problems with longer races i've never been able to pace myself my 200 fly was a sprint you know that's not what it should be (laughs) kind of like talking about this about this out loud with you right now it, it it is i think the difference between someone that wants to 
take their time and just achieve something that's a long distance complete swim. Complete a bucket list item. Versus someone who is really an endurance athlete. Someone mm-hmm. that can kind has of trained push at like 80% effort right. for hours and hours of swimming. Mm-hmm. That's a distance swimmer. That's an endurance athlete. Right. If I had to go swim four miles or plus, I would be sitting back big time. Right now, but you can train to be an endurance athlete. No. I think that that So I just pop out of the womb and I'm an endurance athlete. I think they're yes, genetically speaking people are are more predisposed to being endurance athletes versus middle distance athletes versus sprinters. We know that. You can still train to be you better can train at something. for it, but you wouldn't be just like I can't make myself a pure a pure sprinter. I'm a middle distance swimmer. I can't make myself be a but pure But if you sprinter. had to sprint in a relay, you could train to be better at that for the relay. I could train relay. to be better, but I would never be able to move and, and, and work as well as a sprinter can. And it's the same same thing for the opposite side of the spectrum. I can train to swim distance, mm-hmm. but I can't be as good as a natural distance swimmer. Just crushing dreams left and right over here. It's, it's cold hard facts. Mm. This is the way it works. You can get close. But you'll never be like that endurance athlete that can that can run a hundred miles at eighty percent effort. Oh yeah, I will I never do be that. Miles. I know I I'll never walk. be that. I, I would don't want to be that. Most of it. Right. Okay. So you think your your advice is to look up Wim Hof? I think at I least think, try it. Try it. Why not? Why not? Can't hurt. It's breathing and some cold water. Right. Oh yeah, he wants you to take real cold showers. I think in, if you're in North America right now, it is getting cold outside. So if you really wanted to, you can just do yard work outside in as little clothing as possible and it would help. It would actually start to help. You'd start to eventually acclimate. And it would have be something miserable. really fun to talk to your neighbors about. Okay. Yes. So look into Wim Hof. Look into Wim and Hof and start wrapping your mind around if you're going to do cold water swims, you got to start pushing. So you got to start practicing that. And if you don't want to do cold water swims, there are plenty of open water swims available that aren't cold water. Yeah, I'm assuming we're all adults here. Just don't do it. Exactly. Okay. Number four. How often do I need to swim per week in order to see improvements? That's a really tough question. Because everyone is different, guys. Of course. I would say anyone that is trying to improve their swimming, Mm -hmm. no matter what, needs to be swimming four times a week no matter what no matter what if you want to improve at least four times a week and at some point you're going to have to do more than that if you are just a pure swimmer and want to see those improvements right because i think at least based on my experience i lose my swimming conditioning very easily like really 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 easily i don't swim for two days i go back i notice it that's pretty extreme but the more that i've run the older I've gotten now that I run, unfortunately, I can hold that conditioning a lot longer or like lifting. I can hold that conditioning a lot longer. Like things like that are not hard for me to go back to, even if I've been gone for like two weeks, like last year when we were in the Bahamas for a training trip for like two and a half, three weeks, I didn't lift the whole time I was there. I came back. I was fine. Maybe you need to lift more weight. Maybe you need to shut your mouth. (laughs) Ouch. Okay. Harsh. Um, I think that another way to think about it isn't maybe times per week, but yards per week. But husband, 
Yes. The very first question I ever asked you mm-hmm. before I knew you was, how much yardage do you do in these practices? And you looked at me glaringly mm-hmm. and spoke down to me and said, never speak down to you. Go on. I don't count yardage. I don't know. I do count yardage. Mm-hmm. I always have to know roughly how many yards I'm going to get into a practice, but it's not the most important thing if I don't put forth the effort in those yards. So it's a combination. Mm-hmm. But another way to think about isn't maybe times per week, but maybe it's yardage per week. But maybe then you, you could need to say, get close to ten to 15,000 per week. But if you're not careful and you say this, you're yeah. going to get that one person who's going to go swim for six hours Non-stop. and get 1,500, <laughs> 15,000 yards in and be like, right. but I did it and right. wonder why they're not improving. So, right. let's so it's intent. You don't do that. Intention to improve. And Disclaimer, you- don't swim once a week. Right. So it's another way to think about it, but also consider how much time you spend in the water versus you spend on land. Mm-hmm. You don't spend nearly close, as close as much time in the water as you do on land. Right. So you've got to find time to be in the water. You've got to find time to do that. Um, let's say, for instance, I'll use myself. I don't really swim that much anymore. Um, if I wanted to get back into swimming, mm-hmm. I would start with two times a week so I don't drive myself crazy or hurt myself. Right. Okay. And then... If I wanted to improve from there, which I would, I would up it to three times a week. And then if I feel like, all right, I'm in a good place that I'm not going to hurt myself, I would go to four times a week. And I'm like, okay, now if I want to get back down closer to my fastest times ever, I better start swimming five or six times a week. Okay. Right? Maybe for a triathlete, in season, they're swimming twice a week. Maybe in their off season, they're swimming three to five times a week. It's just, it's it's not a blanket statement. You can't give a blanket statement for this answer. You can't say four times a week, that's the answer. Right. It's going to be based off of the individual, but also based off of that individual's training and where they're at in their training cycle. I think you'll also know. You know when you're not progressing. Yeah. You know when you're not putting forth you your most plateau. effort in certain things, but you're still making your times. You know. So you have to pay attention too. Yeah, like pay attention to, oh, I've been swimming triathlon or I've been involved in triathlon and my my distances or whatever distance it is, my 1.2 miles stays the same year to year. Bless you. I was about to say I have to sneeze and then I ran out of time and then I couldn't (laughs) stop it. (laughs) Half stopped it. Sorry, guys. So, uh, I can't remember where I was. I I also feel like I I know when like I'm... I'm like, oh, I'm still making these 105s, mm-hmm. and it's really not that hard right now. Like, you know, you just have to be aware of it. Right. And you need you, to pay attention to how you feel. Right. They, I, I, I regained my train of thought. So if you recognize that you've plateaued, in theory, as an adult, mm-hmm. if you stay the same time, that's not a bad thing per se, especially same time, same course. It's going to be different for open water. But, you and know, there's something to say five for consistency. Minutes, right. But if you can start to recognize, oh, if I added one more day mm-hmm. to my swimming, I can drop a, an additional 10 minutes in my swim. Or, even better, I don't have to try as hard in my swim, but I still go to the same time, saving heartbeats for my bike and my run. Right. All right. So, you got to pay attention. I think that's great advice. Don't just rely on what I say or what Lissa says or what any coach says, pay attention to yourself. You know yourself better than anyone else. Mm-hmm. So Being self-aware in these situations is more important than you think. 
because yeah. only you know how you're feeling. Yeah. I don't have a clue. I wish I could know better how people were feeling. I wish there was a way to know. Well, I'm sure Elon Musk is thinking of something. I hope so. Okay. Number five. This one is very specific. Is there a trick to exhaling underwater on your back? I've read about different approaches from exhaling to closing the soft palate. Some people seem to have no issue with this and some people seem to struggle. Any thoughts? As a backstroker. This is all you. As a backstroker growing up in the 90s doing a lot of backstroke. You look like you're painting a sob story right now. Where as a child or a teenager you were ridiculed for using a nose clip. Ridiculed. Okay. I spent a majority of my formative years with sinus infections because I would always get water up my nose. Hope you guys have your Kleenex ready. This <gasps> is a tearjerker. <gasps> Did you ever have that friend who could do that thing with their upper lip? I can't do it. You want to describe that I'm thing instead right of now. just doing it? <laughs> For some people, I had many friends on my swim teams growing up who could do this, and I'll never understand. They could close... Seal. They, used, they could, like, they seal, could their seal their nostrils with their upper lip by like curling it up over their nose over their nose i know this sounds insane unless you're one of the people who can do this to me it's insane because i'm trying the same and i'm nowhere close but i, wonder, I watched people do this and i just i have no idea how you move your mouth like that i wonder if it's the same people that can touch the tip of their nose with their tongue that can curl their lip up underneath i their, don't know but i can't it, do it either i am i'm not kidding i know it sounds weird if you haven't ever seen someone do this people can do this and then your upper lip blocks your nose and you don't have to exhale when you're on your back kicking underwater it blocks it you don't have to exhale no water goes right. in and i don't get it it's like a phenomenon let's clarify some things too obviously when you're on your stomach you have to exhale out of your nose as well correct when you're on your back you have to really exhale because water really wants to get up there when you're on your back right which is annoying because you want to kick longer right and you have to explosively exhale throughout your nose in order to prevent water from going up it so my suggestion is use a nose clip. Don't worry about the exhale through your nose. Use a nose clip. You can exhale out of your mouth, mouth, your mouth, your mouth, <laughs> so that it's not an issue anymore. Yeah, I think we can thank Missy Franklin for making I nose clips right, very actually. prevalent. I think you're right. They've always been around, but I think you think of them as something that like non-swimmers use. Swimmers look at swimmers or swimmers look at people who jump in the water like with a cannonball and they like take a big breath and plug their nose and you kind of look at that person like what are you doing yeah so people like that always used to use nose clips and you look at them kind of strangely but missy franklin used them in the olympics yep so a little weird that they're allowed come to think of it it's like the only piece of equipment yeah it does give you a bit of a it's performance an advantage for sure for sure um <laughs> this podcast gets her stripped of her medals did she get medals in the olympics I'm not sure, recently yes, not recently but she did her first olympics um now maybe nose clips not an option for somebody for whatever you reason just really don't want to wear one which is fine the idea of pressing your tongue to the roof of your mouth could help could help what with your exhale because when you do that you're doing you're letting your jaw sort of still relax you're not clenching your jaw when you do that are you doing it right now yeah <laughs> all right so you can't clench your jaw when you do that which is really important in any sport you don't want to clench your jaw okay why uh it causes tension throughout your body hmm, interesting yeah um but it also as you press against the roof of your mouth with your tongue it does help you breathe through your nose 
inhale and exhale. But regardless of that, you're going to have to produce enough air pressure through your nose. So as you go deeper under the water, that the, the water pressure becomes greater and wants to get up your nose even more. Mm-hmm. All right. So it's, it is a balance and it's difficult. It is different than going on your stomach for sure. Yeah. And it's very painful. It's very, very dis. What, it, to have water go up your nose? Water go up your nose and yeah. then sit there in your sinuses. It's yeah. not a good feeling. doesn't feel good. Yeah. So not a great answer because I, I don't want people to avoid learning how to use their nose better by using a nose clip, but a nose clip will eliminate this issue. Mm-hmm. Try it without a nose clip first. See if you can do it. See if you can improve on it. I, I always believe in sort of a balance. I think you can definitely improve. It just like it's, it's scary mentally because you know the pain if you've done it. If you've had water go up your nose before, you know that it can hurt. So people probably avoid it. Yeah. But I think you just, you need to try to have more of an explosive, forceful exhale through your nostrils. But it also has to be very consistent. So it can't be explosive and then all your air is gone now. You don't have anything Maybe else to blow out. explosive is the wrong word. Consistently forceful. Yeah. It has to be consistently forceful. You're not just breathing out of your nose. Yeah. You are pushing the, the you air You got to push out. a little bit. Yeah. Head position has a lot to do with it as well, which what do you want? conventional wisdom would say Tucked. you want your neck to be as long and straight as possible, but maybe if you're on your back, you have to kind of tuck your head a little bit so that water is going to be less likely to go up your nose. Mm-hmm. So there's that approach as well. Head position, tongue position, and a nose clip. Those three options. Play around with them. Yeah. Let us know how it goes. But also don't think too hard and then run out of air because then water will go up too. And plus thinking is the enemy of actually performing something well. And on that note. Is that our last question? Yeah, we only picked five. Didn't oh. want to overwhelm it. Yeah. All right. Well, that was super quick and informative. We should have people just write questions for us all the time. Sure. So. Uh, for I mean, you can always send us in questions whether we decide to answer them or not. <laughs> we'll, you'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So send us questions. Send us more questions. Mm-hmm. I like th- I like answering mm-hmm. these questions. Yeah, They're it's fun. fun. Yeah, it's good. Uh, as always, if you want to find out more about Swim Out of the Box or Swim Box, Google us. Instagram, swim underscore box. Our website is theswimbox.com. If you have any questions, you can just email me, Lissa, at theswimbox.com, although I might talk too much if I <laughs> respond to you. Um, yeah. Yay, holidays. It's almost Christmas. I'm oh, super Oh, and if you're excited. watching on YouTube, you'll notice the addition of the trapped Christmas tree on the table. Christmas tree. And Christmas mugs Christmas all mugs. throughout the podcast as well. It is Christmas. Christmas, Christmas. Exactly. All right. Rate us on iTunes, please. Oh, yeah. Subscribe, rate, review, comment. All those good things. If you comment negatively, I will talk about you. Well, no, we don't want to promote that. <laughs> then people are just going to talk shit about us just so we talk about them. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want that. Do it. <laughs> All right. Let's end this thing. See you guys later. Bye. Bye.